Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are one week and one hour from the start of the college baseball season. And hopefully... Because the weather's always great on opening day, it will be a little bit warmer and sunny next Friday when we open the college baseball season. Good Friday afternoon. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad got the whole band together this afternoon. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. If you have land financing needs, and that could mean buying a piece of property, it could also mean equipment needs related to the purchase of a piece of property or that you need to get work done while you're on that piece of property, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and land-related items for over 100 years. That's why they know the lay of the land. Happy Friday, everybody. Did Rippy at least smile? Rippy, did, did you smile when I mentioned opening day baseball weather? It didn't even phase me at this point. <laughs> Look, so I was in Dallas last night for SMU USF. Spent a little time on the SMU campus, by the way. Good grief, that place is gorgeous. And a really nice basketball arena. But that's just kind of an aside. So I flew out of Memphis yesterday morning. I got to the airport, I don't know, between 6.30 and 6.45, and it was 70 degrees. It was like clammy outside in Memphis. When I landed in Dallas at 9.15, it was 29 degrees, and the wind was blowing out of the north at like 20 miles an hour. I spent the first hour and a half in Dallas driving around trying to find a place to buy a coat uh, when I when I got there yesterday. And then I get to Athens today, and it's 60. And I guess Mississippi is somewhere in between. It's cold there today, right? Yeah, it's brutal. And uh, we were joking yesterday. I mean, we were, we were getting occasionally from listeners like a play-by-play on the temperature and how much it was dropping during yesterday's show. We started and it was like 82 and the low got down into the 30s some parts of Mississippi last night. Mm. It's cold. It's like we're in Scotland. It's, we, we had four seasons yesterday. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's not just cold. It's the almost once your body has adjusted to it warming up a little bit, you're not mentally ready for a great big cold blast that rolls in like that. Hey, Dad, how's your Friday? Man, it's been good so far. Been a nice, quiet day up here. It's a cold day, but quiet day up here in Starville. We had some basketball availability. I talked to Coach, uh, Coach Allen and Coach Schaefer today. And uh, yeah, ready for the weekend. 
Got a big basketball weekend coming up. Mississippi State hosting Kentucky at Humphrey Coliseum tomorrow. Get Ole Miss on the road against uh, Georgia in a game that they need to win. If they do, it's been a pretty good week. Two games that you were supposed to win and two games where you get it done. We'll have to wait and see how the uh, the results play out. Mississippi State trying to avoid an 0-2 week. We knew going into this week, hey, Dad, that this was a challenging week for Mississippi State. You had LSU, good team. Really good basketball game, but one that Mississippi State has to feel like got away from them. And now you turn around and you get, I, I guess, kind of a free shot against Kentucky. But it's a game that would go a long way toward making folks feel good about this Mississippi State team if somehow the Bulldogs could get a win against a Kentucky team that right now is playing at a really high level. Yeah, Ben Hallen called them the hottest team in the country when we talked to him today. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to, I asked him, you know, because. Last three weeks in a row, State has lost the midweek game, but then won the Saturday game. And you know what's it going to take to make it three in a row like that? And and he's just like, man, you know, Kentucky, they're they're playing really well. We're going to have to have our absolute best game, and I'm going to have to be on my absolute best because he he got back to the uh, the comments he made on Wednesday night about his inability to to handle Mississippi State's rotation. He, he feels like that's the reason State lost the game. What's I know how you've reacted to some of his statements where he kind of takes the blame or he says, oh, it's my fault, and you say, well, hold on a second, that's what you're paid to do. What's going on? Why is he having trouble figuring out what the right combination of guys on the floor at a given time is? Yeah, I don't know if he and and Joe Moorhead were drinking from the same well at some point earlier this summer or or what, but (laughs) the inability to get the guys who have the hot hand and ride that has been sort of troubling. Uh, because you look at Wednesday night and the way Tyson Carter and Robert Woodward played in the first half, they were a huge part of why State took control of that game. And then not to see them in the second half, it's very disappointing. And uh, you know, it, it, I'm glad that he's you know taking the blame for it because you know there are coaches in the in the world that would you know try to put it off on somebody else or just say, well, you know, it's just the way I wanted to do it or whatever. At least he's admitting there's a mistake and it needs to be corrected. But how do you get a guy to correct that mistake? You know, do you somebody tap him on the shoulder from from the crowd like, hey, coach, now's the time? And I, I don't know how to correct that mistake. But I do know it needs to be corrected if State wants to be successful. They need those contributions off the bench. I, I would only disagree with one thing that, that he said when he when he calls Kentucky the hottest team in the country. I understand why you would say that. I just think that uh, that Tennessee might have an argument as well, having won 17 in a row. And I think, I read this earlier today, is it all but three of those 17 wins have been by double digits? I mean, they That's are smoking people. Yeah, it's impressive. Really, uh, really is. Rippy, when you look at the uh, the matchup with Georgia tomorrow uh, for Ole Miss, a, a game that they need to win on the road, Georgia 1-8 and eight in the SEC, Ole Miss trying to get two wins in the same week, what do you think is most important for the Rebels tomorrow? I think probably they'll be able to exploit the guard play discrepancy. So, you know, it sounds simple, but if, if, if Ole Miss's guards can make shots early in the game because that kind of dictates how they play the rest of the game, particularly with Terrence Davis and Bree and Tyree. If they can kind of find offense for those two early in the game and, and kind of overwhelm Georgia on the perimeter, I think that would really bode well for them. I would say that Georgia doesn't have a true point guard. I mean, there are times when you look up and you've got Nick Claxton at 6'11", bringing the ball down the floor like some modern-day Magic Johnson. He's just kind of thin. He does a lot of things really well for, for Georgia. 
but he's not a point guard. And and Turtle Jackson, who has been there seemingly forever, kind of is the point guard, but he's not a huge threat to score, and he doesn't necessarily scare you with the ball in his hands. I, I certainly do think it's a day where Ole Miss has got an advantage at the guard position. We'll see how that one plays out. So you got Ole Miss at Georgia, uh, Mississippi State hosting Kentucky. What else is coming up this afternoon? Well, I told you one week from today, we've got the start of the college baseball season. Our 4 o'clock hour today will be wall-to-wall baseball. We're going to look at the projected opening day lineups for both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We're going to uh, talk with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. They've got preseason regional projections. Of, I mean, we're all glad that they've got those, right? But, but in reality... <laughs> preseason regional projections yeah if I mean, nothing I else love it, it. it gives you just a idea of where the experts view your team and your conference going into a season i love that i love a preseason bowl projection in july i'll read it all i do not care who who cares if it's in the in the uh, in the name of generating clicks? Hey, people want uh, you'll content, get my click. and that's interesting yeah. content. I agree with you, and uh, and they do a great job. At uh, if anybody was going to put out a preseason, postseason projection, uh, and they want me to pay attention to it, then D one baseball would be the uh, the place to uh, to do just that. Um, a story that continues to evolve for Southern Miss. Um, there was an article last night at The Athletic uh, that came out that, that laid out, uh, I guess, depending on how you look at it, kind of a troubling pattern uh, with regard to some of the decisions that have been made by Jay Hobson about who to try to bring into his program, whether it was in his time at Alcorn State or his, uh, his time in Hattiesburg. Uh, certainly want to be careful how we look at this uh, but certainly, it's a story that's uh, that's newsworthy, that's out there, and is uh, is getting some traction. Luke Johnson will join us. He is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. Guys, I, I guess I would just kind of go back to what we talked about on Wednesday, uh, after it was made clear that Southern Miss was not hiring Art Bryles. I, I use the analogy that once this this conversation began there was going to be a crash. There was going to be a wreck, and it was going to happen one way or the other. But by putting yourselves into the conversation, you open yourself up for criticism, you open yourself up for reaction, and now Southern Miss, even though they have moved on and made, the, I think, the right decision not to hire Art Bryles, they're having to deal with some other stories that don't necessarily shine a positive light on a football program that has... It, really, it's been run the right way, and it's been run the right way for a really long time. They, they, we will. Uh, yeah, the, this go ahead. is the Pandora's box, man. When you when you go down that path, when you take that first step into the the bad publicity path, it, it, it happens. It happens, and it happens quick. And unfortunately for Southern. CBS Sports put out a, uh, a column, winners and losers from National Signing Day. We'll look at that a little bit later this afternoon as well. And uh, Anthony Davis, Michael Borky's favorite player, going to spend the rest of the season in New Orleans, but that will be it. Got a lot to get to to close out the week on this Friday afternoon with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. More coming up after this. 
back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Don't forget you can uh, download a podcast of Sports Talk Mississippi in the Apple Podcast Store. It's available on Google Play, on Stitcher, and now available on Spotify as well. While you're doing that, you can also download the Thunder and Lightning Podcast with Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman to get your daily Mississippi State Sports Fix. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. For the wrong reasons this week, Southern Miss has been in the news. Started on, um, I guess it started late Monday afternoon when uh, news emerged. Uh, I think Patrick McGee was the uh, the first to report that uh, Southern Miss had interviewed and was looking to potentially hire Art Bryles as an offensive coordinator. Obviously, Art Bryles was uh, fired at BYU, and not at BYU, excuse me, at Baylor, and interestingly enough, was paid the entire buyout of his contract when he was fired, some $18 million. There's an ongoing NCAA investigation and also an ongoing Title IX investigation into the sexual assault and rape allegations that happened while he was the head coach there. He's been out of coaching for the last three years. That story advanced on Tuesday when we uh, found out that Bryles had met with um, players at Southern Miss, not not in an official team meeting capacity, but he was in the facility on campus, did interview, and had met some of the players uh, and talking to them, um, you know, whether it was in one-on-one or small group situations. Um. On Tuesday night, there was a a great deal of uncertainty as to what was going to happen. There were reports that Jay Hobson was leaning in the direction of hiring Art Bryles. Late Tuesday night, you got a statement from the university that took us into Wednesday in which Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Bennett, the school president, uh, said that uh, Southern Miss had informed Art Bryles that he was not uh, any longer a candidate to be a uh, hired in a coaching position at Southern Miss. Jay Hobson followed it up with a statement uh, that said uh, while he respected the decision, he disagreed with the university president. He thought that Art Bryles deserved another chance and, uh, as best he could tell, had committed no crime personally and uh, alluded to the fact that he thought that not only was he going to be a football coach, but he expected that he would be a head coach again. So that was on Wednesday. And then yesterday, late in the day yesterday, a story breaks on The Athletic that takes you a little bit deeper into some of the recruiting decisions that have been made by Jay Hobson and his staff, both at Alcorn State and at Southern Miss as well. So let's press pause there for a second. It's kind of what we were mentioning just a few minutes ago. Um, the, the reality is this story from The Athletic never would have been written. We would not be having a conversation about multiple recruits turned players at Alcorn State and Southern Miss and a history of sexual assault and violence on females if not for the fact that Jay Hobson and Southern Miss were considering hiring Art Bryles earlier in the week. And I think, hey, Dad, you used the phrase just a moment ago, you opened Pandora's box. And there's no way to put the, I mean, I'm mixing metaphors here, but there's no way to put the toothpaste back in the tube at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it starts with the decision to to interview Bryles, which 
when we talked about it on Monday, we did not know that the administration had not been involved in that. And I think we mentioned that, said, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you got to have support from the top down. Well, never mind support. They didn't even have clearance. They didn't even have permission, you know. And I know I, I am a firm believer that it's, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, but there are sometimes you need permission, and that yeah. is one of them. And for USM now, you know, I said, I guess that was uh, Tuesday's show or maybe Wednesday's show where I said uh, – I didn't. I, th- I thought there might end up having to be a divorce in this because, you know, you have Hobson and you have the administration, and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to trust each other. And now it, it just looks like if this if this kind of stuff is going to come out, I mean, I, it's going to be really difficult, really difficult at the end of the day, for USM to hold on to Jay Hobson because if they find any, any more things like this, and I, I guarantee you, people are looking right now as we speak, that that's trouble for USM. To, to clarify, and this is kind of as best as I've been able to talk to people and, and kind of gather the information, the idea of first uh, of potentially bringing Art Bryles in um, was that that subject was broached um, maybe a week and a half ago, a couple of weeks ago, and it was not laid out clear that it was, clearly that this was an absolute non-starter. There, there was some ambiguity in the conversation, as I've been led to believe. But the general thought was, no, this is a bad idea. But you ever been in that situation where y- your parents are kind of leaving the decision up to you and expecting you to make a good decision? And they go, yeah, I really don't think that's the way we ought to go here. But they don't expressly tell you, no, do not do that. And sometimes, when left to your own devices, you make a a poor choice. And your parents have to kind of step in and say, well, I told you we didn't need to do this. Well, you didn't say don't do it. And so by not clearly saying don't do it, um, maybe a misunderstanding, however you want to describe it, the door was opened and Art Browse at that point was brought in without proper um, vetting. Uh, maybe a way to say it, or, or certainly without the uh, the blessing of the administration at Southern Miss. And that's how we got to this point. And so Southern Miss had to be, uh, the president, Dr. Rodney Bennett, had to be the parent that said, I told you this was a bad idea. Well, but you didn't say don't do it. Well, okay, now I'm saying don't do it. It's not going to happen. But it's opened the door for all of these other conversations. So here's what's in the story from The Athletic. And I feel like I need to put a disclaimer on here, but it's out there for public consumption. And the last thing I want to do is for us to be somebody that's piling on. But this is news. It's news in the state of Mississippi. I have I, I said earlier in the week, and I will continue to say, that I am a fan of Jay Hobson, uh, that I think he is a good man. I think he's a good father. I think he's a good football coach. And I wish him continued success. But that doesn't mean that when news like this is out there, you ignore it. So in the article from uh, from The Athletic, it lays out, I guess, three specific uh, instances that are questionable at best. Uh, one of them is uh, fairly recently. Um, Southern Miss uh, agreed or, or signed a player out of uh, junior college by the name of Charles West. 
West had previously been accused of raping two women at night, uh, knife point at his home in separate incidents in 2015. The sexual assault cases against West fell apart after both women were having a hard time testifying in front of her attacker. That's a quote. Um, and they declined to testify in a trial, according to the Dallas County District Attorney's Office. Their spokesman, Brittany Dunn, said that. The criminal cases were downgraded to aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, and West pleaded guilty and received deferred adjudication probation in both cases. He came to Southern Miss and was expected to enroll in January. And as he was looking for housing and going through the process of enrolling in school, uh, somebody in the athletics department found the story from the Dallas Morning News. And they mentioned what was going on, and then his application was denied by the admissions office. And a Southern Miss spokesman confirmed that West is not a student at Southern Miss but offered no further comment. He was a really good player at Garden City Community College in Kansas. Um, also, the um, a couple of issues uh, arose at Alcorn State. Uh, one, uh, a, a name you may remember, Tip McKenzie, who was involved in the rape investigation at Vanderbilt, was admitted to Alcorn State, and he played in the game against Mississippi State uh, a, a few years ago and is registered as a sex offender for the rest of his life. Now, again, he was not proved guilty. The charges were downgraded when he cooperated and kind of helped bring down three other guys in the investigation. And there's another player that, that's listed in here as well. <sighs> guys, I, I don't know exactly what you do with this. I mean, th there's if you want to go like letter of the law, you can look at these instances individually and say, okay, well, show me the guilty plea. Sh show me where somebody was accused or was, was convicted of sexual assault or was convicted of rape. But doesn't your standard have to be a little bit higher than that? I mean, wait, I, Especially when there's a guilty plea. And McKenzie carried the woman into the room. Yeah. And the other one's a registered sex offender. What? We can be on board with second chances, but draw the line somewhere and go, this just isn't right. More coming up in the Renaissance Bank studio. And to the top. Start yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go again, Friday afternoon with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and right now on the Farm Bureau phone line from Hattiesburg, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Mississippi Laurel and Super Talk Hattiesburg, our man Luke Johnson. Luke, happy Friday. Uh, we made it, and that's uh, been a long week down here in South Mississippi. Yeah, Luke, it's been a difficult week. You and I have talked on, on several occasions throughout the course of the week, and I'm kind of curious from, from your perspective, if you've started thinking about how do you move forward for, for Southern Miss? I mean, obviously a week that you would prefer not to relive and, and not to have rehashed over and over, and I understand that. 
But when you get to start moving forward and spring football is just around the corner and there will be another football season, what do you do to get past this? I think uh, you just have to you have to listen to uh, what's what the fan base is saying. I, I've I've heard a lot this week. One thing I'd like to go on the record correcting: I came on you guys Tuesday. We had been monitoring some stuff, and it looked like you know that I think I, the numbers that I threw out was fifty five, forty five, fifty fifty on Bryles. Uh It became very apparent after I got off with you guys that it was about eighty five, fifteen Bryles and four Bryles and. Fan base, there's been a whole lot of people that have been very, you know, straight up this week, have expressed, uh, for whatever reason, whether you fall morally on either side of that, um, the people in the athletic department and the people in the the dome at Southern Miss administration building, they got to listen to the fan base. And Dr. Bennett had already announced uh, when John Gilbert went to East Carolina that uh, he was going to take about a you know a eight or ten uh, city tour and hear from the fan base. Um, that will probably be very exciting town meetings now. But there needs to be uh, you know from from people um, you have to to come out and whatever differences you had you got to deal with them behind closed doors. Um, I think a lot of people down here are are frustrated also. Um, the negative press, I mean, it's a story you can't ignore it, but I think some people are asking, wow, the only time the country cares about Southern Miss, the only time the rest of the state cares about Southern Miss, when there's a negative spotlight. And so um, I think whatever it is as a fan base, as administration, as athletic department, you gotta you got to deal with it, you got to be honest about it, and then you got to move forward together on it. Can there be a unified front? between the university administration and athletic administration slash head football coach at this point, given kind of the back and forth, the statement from Dr. Bennett, but also Jay Hobson's statement about respectfully disagreeing with the decision that, that the university made. Is that reparable? Can they get to a point where everybody's on the same page and puts a positive foot forward to kind of lead the fan base in the direction that the university needs it to go? I think they can um, because there are a lot of people that are in Jay Hobson's corner. Uh, I played with, I played for the man for four years, um, and and you know, as in some ways, you know, what people wish that Wednesday, Wednesday morning could have go, gone down a whole lot better. Uh, when you hire Jay Hobson, you know what you're getting. You're getting a passionate, fiery leader. He, he's convicting. He believes. I don't know if you guys remember, but the, the Tennessee game a couple years ago, when he felt like we were getting messed over, you look up. He's past the hash marks, telling the referee what is mine. And uh, people believe that Jay Hobson is one of those guys he, he takes up for, for those he, he believes in, those are, who are under his, his direction. And so I think you can repair it because you know what kind of guy he is. Luke Johnson on, uh, on your radio talking uh, about the week that has been in Hattiesburg and how everybody was going to kind of move forward or attempt to move forward. You mentioned the support that the fan base um, has. That they, uh, and and just to clarify, you were talking about kind of percentage divisions. You you guys were kind of trying to track fan reaction to the idea of hiring Art Bryles. Is that overwhelming support of a hire of Art Bryles? Could could that be interpreted as support for Jay Hobson? I think a lot of it is. I've, I've heard a lot of. Commentary, whether it's on social media or you know, and and uh, hearing from people that you know he's he's a football coach and your football coach makes those decisions. 
Let me just insert this, and this isn't a, a cheap shot at all. This is brutal honesty from Southern Miss. I think Southern Miss gets really tired of the SEC and the rest of Southern football culture telling us how we should act ethically and morally um, because uh, of what historically Southern Miss has run before you went to break. You said it, a clean program. And yeah. for, you know, the SEC to step in and say, uh, little brother down south, you can't do that. And Southern Miss says, listen, this little brother used to wax your tail back in the 70s and the 80s. So don't tell us how to do stuff. And so, you know, I think that's a fair assessment of the fan base right now. It's not Luke Johnson, just Luke Johnson talking. That is a bunch of golden eagles across the state that are saying, listen, you know, um, we're trying to better a football program, and I'm not speaking specifically to Browns. I'm just, I'm saying they get they get tired when the rest of the state doesn't care about them, except when one, you know, something negative happens. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly a fair point and a fair assessment, and and one that I think uh, you are as well equipped as anybody to to say. Luke, I'm I'm curious here with the need to hire an athletics director full time. Now nobody's told told me this. I'm just kind of I'm spitballing here. It strikes me that there's nobody in the Southern Miss family athletically that is more revered than Jeff Bauer. Is there any scenario where Coach Bauer would either one be considered or two be interested or willing to kind of become the captain of the ship of the athletics department at USM? He likes to play golf and fish a lot, Richard. <laughs> um, well, could you not put a clause in the contract that allows for X number of golf and fishing days per week? He, he's been a lot more visible around the university, and that just speaks of his love for the university. Um, yeah, I, I, I really can't speak that because I don't know. Uh, you know, I saw Coach at a, at a game, pregame, and, and uh, he was having to, to leave to go watch the committee stuff. You know, he's rotated off the – Selection sure. committee now, but he's he's a lot more visible, and a lot of those wounds between him and the university that happened when he got forced out have been healed. People still love him, and uh, you know, so I mean, yeah, and, and the hypotheticals, of course, but I can't really, you know, I don't know what coach is thinking on that. Yeah, is that something that Southern Miss fans? Is that an idea that Southern Miss fans might embrace? Anything Jeff Bauer, man, people love. You know, he's. And he's a guy that, that did it right and did it right for a long time. Um, and he was a guy that, you know, he brought in some guys that had trouble past. And Jeff Bowers' philosophy was, I got enough good character kids around. If I bring in somebody that needs a little help, they'll get him right, you know. So um, yeah. I don't want to control the narrative, Richard. I just kind of wanted to bring up a couple more things because I was reminding people in the Eagle Hour today, it's been a rough week, but uh, you got a top 20 baseball program that starts next week. Uh, one of those names, because we were on Tuesday and we were waiting to see who was going to sign on Wednesday, Southern signed a, uh, uh, Avery White, an outside linebacker from East Central High School down in Hurley. He's the 4A uh, football player of the year this past year, 6'4". They're going to put some weight on him. That was a big sign. Uh, they got a graduate transfer from Penn State named Torrance Brown. And so even in the midst of all this, there's been some really, really good stuff going on. And basketball plays a huge game tomorrow against Louisiana Tech. They've won the last six out of eight. And so even in the midst of a wild week, there's a whole lot of good stuff going on in, in, on campus in Hattiesburg. 
Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about baseball. I mean, obviously, just a week from today, you're playing the opening game of the season. That's happening all over the country with the universal start date that got put in place a, a few years ago. What's the level of excitement? You, you mentioned top 20, and it, Southern Miss, there was even a, a Baseball America um, postseason projection that came out that had Southern Miss in a regional uh, level of excitement. Where would you put it for baseball uh, being just a week away? It's People are dying for it to get here. The first pitch banquet was last week. Coach Palmer, Brian Dozier, Silver Grass from the uh, 09 World Series team were on campus, and, and man, it's I've heard today that the, the season tickets are, are close uh, to, to breaking records. I mean, that's the uh, Southern Miss in the last few years, man, that's that's what it's been. It's, it's been baseball. And, and uh, you know, it, people are just really, really excited about it and, and really can't wait for it to be here. And especially after this week, it will be a – the peak next week will be a place of joy, passion, and intensity and almost uh, a safety net for the fan base. What's the forecast? Have you checked ahead? Talking to Jack Duggan yesterday, it's kind of up and down. <laughs> he, he was telling us, the he, he, first thing he does every morning is go check on his weather app and see what it is. <laughs> Who knows, man? I mean, it was 80 degrees yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, and, uh, and then decidedly not 80 degrees today. Luke, always appreciate your time. No things are uh, going to calm down shortly and a lot of excitement going into the start of baseball season. We will talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. That's Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. Makes some interesting points. And, you know, the the one in particular that, that he said about fans of SEC schools who are not without their own transgressions trying to say, hey, Southern Miss, this is how you should do it and, and stand on some moral high ground uh, would like to kind of tell those folks to just, hey, go mind your own business. We, we, we'll take care of ourselves here. Certainly is a, a reasonable point, and you could, um, you couldn't blame Southern Miss fans for feeling that way. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. You can also tweet the show at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Some of your reaction on the, uh, the C Spire text line, there are a number of you who have um, decided that that we're not interested in forgiveness or redemption or anything else, um, and and I'm just not I'm just not going to go down that road. Um, we, we can talk about religious beliefs on on a different day. I'm all for forgiveness. I'm all for the idea of redemption. That doesn't mean I can't have opinions on um, how certain situations are handled. And we're not saying the kids should never be allowed to have a life ever again. It's different. It's it, The problem in this situation isn't exactly bringing on a kid with a, a black mark in his past. Jay Hobson's not the first college football coach that has tried to bring a kid into his program that has done something morally abhorrent. 
It has happened before. It happened here in this state. It's happened here in this state a few times for Mississippi State, most recently with the guy that's about to be a first-round pick, and it's happened at Ole Miss as well in the past. This situation's different than the others, but he's not the first one to do it. The, the issue here when it applies to Jay Hobson and Southern Miss was the lack of transparency, the, the attempt to hide that background from university officials, and then once it's discovered, the university makes the decision to move on. That's the bigger issue than trying to bring on a kid with a checkered pass because that's been done before. That and playing a kid in a game with charges still pending. It's another problem. Yeah, seems less than ideal. Um, a couple of other notes that are out there, just kind of random stuff. Um, former Vanderbilt Athletics Director David Williams, who announced uh, eight days, oh, four ago. or five months ago, that he was stepping down as AD, uh, was moving on, has passed away. Um. David Williams was uh, a university administrator. He was a, uh, a law professor at, at Vanderbilt. And uh, you, you may remember when he was named athletics director, but it wasn't actually athletics director, that uh, Vanderbilt was kind of a punchline. And um, it was like, oh, they're just rolling their SEC program into the intramural department. They're not actually going to have an athletics director. Well, they just kind of went with a different corporate structure or like a the org chart looked a little bit different. But he was the AD, and uh, Vanderbilt's had a lot of success athletically uh, in the time that he has uh, has been there. But uh, David Williams passes away earlier today. And also, hey, Dad, did you see this? Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback Justin Fields has received a waiver from the NCAA and will be eligible to play the 2019 season the university announced Friday. Man, the NCAA moved fast on this one. Was there any doubt? That, that was going to be no. There wasn't any doubt ever. I agree with what uh, what Borky uh, tweeted that he said that the, the the wheels are starting to turn towards penalty free transfer. Yeah, and I got an immediate reply to that that said, "Well, he had a case and others didn't." Uh, no, hold. everybody Did has a though? case because the precedent's been set that if you're mis- misled at all, you're getting immediate eligibility. Guess what recruiting is yeah. years. Of misleading, and everybody now has a case. Everybody's going to have a reason. I, I just didn't feel comfortable there, or and this if, coach it, was mean to me, or yeah, or the, there's precedent. There's going to be a reason every time. All you have to do is make one. And 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 from a paraphrasing standpoint, the new the new language that's in place is basically, if your circumstances change adversely, and it makes you feel uncomfortable, then we'll let you move on. That, that that's basically that's what it what is. it says. If your if your well being is negatively affected, then you got the opportunity to seek immediate eligibility. I, guys, here's what what I'm continuing to stand by. Though we knew this was going to happen. Justin Fields receiving immediate eligibility does not in and of itself open the floodgates for transfer. It's the first step. It's the next step this is that I am effect. anxiously waiting to see, and that is whether or not Tate Martell is going to be immediately eligible at Miami. Because if Martell is ruled immediately eligible at Miami, that opens the floodgates, and if he's not ruled immediately eligible, then they're going to sue the NCAA. 
And I think he'll have a good case because they're going to look at other places where circumstances changed and immediate eligibility was granted. Why should he be different? And then once that ruling happens, all bets are off. If anything goes sour for any reason, for any player, you'll be able to transfer. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Hour 2 coming up. Just after 4 o'clock with you, Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready for some baseball? One week from today, Richard. One week from right now. First pitch will have happened in Starkville. First pitch will have happened in Oxford. I think Southern Miss's game is a little bit later, so we'll st- we will be closing in on first pitch in Hattiesburg. And oh, by the way, Delta State got started last weekend. Ooh. They're already playing ball in Cleveland, Mississippi. And you know that program is going to be in the mix for the, uh, the postseason. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Glad to have you along this afternoon. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. You can also tweet us at Sports Talk, M-I-S-S. What do you say we do an hour of baseball, guys? Does that sound good to you? Well, I was hoping we would do an hour of NBA trade deadline talk, but I guess baseball is going to have to do. Yeah, there, there. I'm sure are places that you can get that. <laughs> this ain't there. This it could be if you would let me one there. time. Uh, yeah, what a podcast well, is for I guess. That, that's right. The uh, the Michael Borky show, hosted by Michael Borky. The thoughts and opinions of Michael Borky, presented by Michael Borky. <laughs> Something like that. Hey, just a little tease for you. The I Michael Borky show. But Borky's world. Is on the way. It's coming soon. I kind of like that. You've been searching for a name. How about Borky's World? No, no, no. No, no, we have the name. What's that? The Michael Borky Show, starring Michael Borky, featuring Michael Borky. Sponsored by Michael Borky. I mean, I am funding the entire thing. That's right. There you go. Borky's World is it. Bork America. Uh, what do you say we look at some projected opening day lineups? And I guess not lineups. Positions would probably be the way to uh, go. Hey, Dad, if you want to take a shot at uh, at Mississippi State's batting order, you, you certainly could do that. Here's the projected starting lineup, though, for opening day for Mississippi State from D1 Baseball. Uh, tell me if there's anything that you disagree with this. Mr. Haydad. Sure. Uh, Dustin Skelton at catcher. We're good. Tanner Allen at first base. Yep. Five home runs, 45 runs driven in last year. The transfer from Seminole State College in Oklahoma, Gunnar Halter at second. That is likely to happen. What do you know about him? Big bat. Uh, I think he had 27 home runs last year in junior college. So, I mean, obviously you don't expect that kind of number, but he should provide some pop at a position. You know, second base is not necessarily a a power position. But uh, can he provide the same kind of defense that you got out of Hunter Stovall? That's that's the question for him. 
You heard it here first, Brian Haydad, predicting 27 home runs for the junior college transfer, Gunnar Halter, at second base. <laughs> That's not quite the, the 105 sacks you gave Montez Sweat, but it, it's pretty high. Yeah. Um, Justin Foscue at third? Yeah, he'll be solid there. Jordan Westberg, as a sophomore, going to be the starting shortstop. Hit two home runs, drove in 30 last year, 248 batting average. Um, it, it, do those numbers go up for him this year? I think they're going to, for sure. I mean, he he's the guy that, you know, he has the look. And I, I'm not big on the eye test sometimes, but he looks like a pro baseball player. Big kid. At short, I'm very interested to see how he, he handles himself out there, but I think his, his batting numbers are, are, are due to increase this year, yes. Seven home runs with 37 ribbies and a 321 batting average last year for the left fielder, Rowdy Roddy Jordan. Yeah. Does he get the double-digit home Roddy. runs this season? I did. Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Jordan. <laughs> Where did the Roddy come from? Uh, was it, wasn't that a wrestler? It was, but his name isn't Roddy. His name is Rowdy. Uh, I understand that. That's why I added Roddy to it. That was very Chris Berman-like of me. Yes, you did good. It's exactly uh, what Berman would have called him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The power number, seven home runs for him, that was a little surprising, to be honest with you, because he doesn't have the frame of a power hitter. But, man, he can put the ball over the over the fence. He is a really, really good baseball player. I think that once Mangum leaves, he's sort of the next guy as the, as the face of the team. Jake Mangum in center field hit three home runs last year, drove in 33, 351 average senior center fielder. Yeah, we'll see if he can hold really, on to that position. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a battle like he, going all the way through spring camp for sure. <laughs> for him, even up to the first game for Mangum. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here. Hey, hey, Dad, over under six home runs. Over under for Mangum. For Mangum, I would go under. You sure? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just not his game. I mean, he'll, he'll he has you know he'll he'll hit a couple. He hit three last year, but he is about getting on base, stealing bases, getting getting into scoring position. And that that's his game. So no, I'm over under going. four and a half for Mangum. Uh, yeah. I might go over there, but I I, I would surprise. I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he only hits three or four. Okay. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to see him in the six to seven range this year. Okay. Um. Now my question is, will that come at the expense of of the batting average? And that's that's what you, you you're, you're curious about, right? If he can hit, if he can add power to his game, great. But if he has to sacrifice, his, you know, getting on base, that's that's a detriment to Mississippi State. You don't you don't want him hitting home runs if that's the case. You know, you just want him getting on base and, and letting other guys drive him in. That's what's been the formula for the, the first three years, and it's it's been very successful. So, yeah, I, I don't Elijah McNamee in right field a lot. Yeah, and then got, the, got to get uh, off to a good start. He he is, he had you know obviously had the great finish last year, uh, but his previous two years in Starville has not been able to get off to a great start. And he's, he's sort of caught up in you know mid season. If he can get off to a good start, he could be a an All SEC candidate. And then the freshman from Poplarville, Hancock High School, Landon Jordan, expected to be the opening day starter as the DH. Uh, I mean, it probably depends. Depends. I don't know Youngstown State's rotation just yet, but it might depend on you know <laughs> on who, who the, oh, what, you know what what side of the of the mound they're coming from. There, uh, Jordan is definitely going to have some opportunities there. I would imagine Josh Hatcher and Marshall Gilbert will uh, get some looks there as well. Uh, you know, Ethan Small is probably going to be the starter on Friday when you roll Locked things in. out. Do you expect JT Ginn to be the Saturday starter? 
to start, yeah, I do. I do. I think he's going to get that that opportunity to start the season. Uh, you know, obviously, big time talent, first round draft pick coming to Mississippi State, and uh, we'll see if he can how he handles the, the bright lights of Duty Noble Field. But from a talent standpoint, you don't have a whole lot of questions about him. Rippy, let's walk through the Ole Miss lineup as well as projected by D1 Baseball. Cooper Johnson as the opening day catcher, uh, which is expected with the departure of Nick Fortes. Cole Zabowski at first base hit 10 home runs last year. Can he duplicate that number this year? Yeah, I think so. And as far as catcher, I think it's Cooper Johnson's to lose, but I think you'll see Thomas Dillard catch some too. And how much depends on you know, Cooper Johnson's had some receiving struggles in the past is and can he also hit at a level that justifies playing every day so that will be kind of interesting but yeah I would agree with both those and as far as Zabowski yeah I think certainly so I mean he's first team preseason all SEC for a reason kind of really made a huge offensive jump last year and I think he'll have another productive year as probably the three-hole hitter. Cooper Johnson hit 235 last season and struggled as a receiver he struggled catching the ball a bunch of passed balls it's almost like if he's great defensively, you can live with the 235 average and you know you've got a big arm behind the plate. But if he's only hitting 235 and he's struggling defensively, then it's hard to continue to put him out there on a day-in, day-out basis. Sure, but last year, they, the, what's the difference is obviously last year they had an option and a really productive offensive bat in Nick Fortes, and you don't necessarily – I mean, not that they don't have options, but it's it's not a veteran guy that had caught before. I mean, Fortes had caught a lot of innings beforehand, before going into last year. So not the yeah. same kind of sure option there as you had a year ago. Anthony Servideo expected to be the opening day starter at second base. Tyler Keenan at third. Keenan had an SEC all-freshman season a year ago. Nine home runs, 38 runs batted in, and a three oh one average. Kind of nursed an injury at the end of the season. Is he expected to be fully healthy, no residual from that last year? Yes, and I think second base between Jacob Adams and Servideo is about a coin flip. I, I think whatever really? one you don't see at second base will probably be in one of the corner outfield slots. Okay, Gray Kessinger. Uh, at shortstop, uh, they're hoping that his ankle sprain will be healed sufficiently to start next week? Yes. I, they, the hope was he'd be ready for opening day. Um, I don't think they're overly concerned about his availability by then. Thomas Dillard hit 13 bombs last year. He drove in 59 and uh, kind of cut down on the strikeouts a, a little bit. Can he continue to improve in that category, not chasing pitches out of the zone? Uh, yes, and improved a little bit defensively as well, kind of tracking balls in the outfield. You know, I think he would tell you he's probably not a great uh, defensive outfielder, but really jumped in that category too. But yeah, I think he'll have another good year offensively. Ryan Olenek is uh, eligible for Social Security after this year. He will be the opening day starter in center field. Hit 350 last year. Carl Gendel potentially going to start in right field. Also, Jacob Adams in that mix, as you heard. Uh, or Servideo in the mix, as you heard um, Rippy say just Tim a second Elko ago. As well. Chase and Tim Elko. How about that? Chase Cockrell likely as the opening day DH. You can see Elko summon that spot too. Will Etheridge, Huston, uh, Houston Roth, and Gunnar Hoglet. Kendall Rogers is next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Friday. One week from today, college baseball will be off and rolling. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, D1Baseball.com. Kendall, what's up, man? Pretty good, buddy. How about yourself? Everything's good. Excited for the start of uh, some baseball. I assume that you're going to be sitting in a ballpark somewhere a week from right now? 
I will be out. I'll be out in Arizona. You know, they have a big tournament out there with uh, Virginia, Vanderbilt, Fullerton, and teams like that. And uh, I was actually at TCU. I was actually going to be at that tournament in Puerto Rico, but of course, after Hurricane Maria, uh, they moved that to Arizona. So I'll be out there. I'll see uh, the defending national champs, uh, Oregon State, on opening day, and then I'll also probably catch uh, Arizona State, Notre Dame, and maybe a few other teams while I'm out there. So, are you going to be on the uh, the tournament circuit early? I mean, I know you'll you usually go to Houston for um, for the the college classic there. Yeah, I will be. So, I'll be out in Arizona for all those tournaments opening weekend, and then week three, uh, we'll obviously have that Shriners tournament back here in Houston. So, it's an all Texas field this year, and so that ought to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, uh, week two, I'll actually head out to Florida catch uh, Tanner Burns and Auburn against UCF and also Florida and Miami. Miami obviously beginning a new era with Gina Damari. And of course, Florida being Florida, uh, they've got a lot of arms. I think I was talking to Sully a few weeks ago and they have uh, 13 guys throwing 90 or better. So uh, Florida's being Florida Jeez. once again. <laughs> 13 arms at 90 or better. Hey, let's take a peek at the Magnolia State and let's start in the south and, and work our way north. Southern Miss... Matt Walner is certainly the headline grabber. He's going to be in the rotation. Uh, he's preseason utility, first-team All-American player. Is Southern Miss going to be as good as he allows them to be, or do you think there are enough other pieces that they just need him to kind of do what he's capable of, and this will be another really good team? I think Southern Miss has a chance to be really special this year, Richard. I, I think when you look at the team overall, obviously uh, the, the rotation is a little bit of a question mark. And it's not necessarily because the guys are bad, but the you know those guys, the guys like Walker Powell and, and you know on the back end with JC Keith, those guys have been good in the past. They haven't been great. So how those guys kind of you know figure in the equation certainly in, in their success certainly will determine how far the team can go on the national level. But I'll tell you what, offensively, these guys are going to be special. I mean, Matt Warner, uh, certainly, everybody talks about him and his just kind of prowess in the play. But, the, you know, Hunter Slater uh, at first base had a big fall on his squad. They're very excited about him. And, of course, uh, keeping out on Danny Lynch, Tim Lynch, of course, uh, was a guy that was an All-American type of player for Southern Miss a few years ago. Uh, his younger brother, Danny Scott Berry, he says he doesn't do this very often, but says, you know, he's more talented uh, than Tim and they probably one that being better than Tim. We all know how good wow. Tim Lynch was for the Golden Eagles. So uh, they, they've got a really talented offense. And kind of the wild card is Matt Walner on the mound. I was talking to Chad Kaye here recently, and he said Walner had just been tremendous on the mound. He added a little splitter to his uh, arsenal, and uh, he's being a lot more consistent with his his command. And uh, his fastball has been 92-96 so far this spring. So I'll tell you what, if the rotation is solid and Matt Walner can make that move to the rotation and be a lot more consistent, suddenly this goes from a team that uh, is kind of in that top 25 range to a team that could, uh, you know, the, the sky's kind of the limit. I'm not going to sit here and say they can play for the national championship because uh, I think there's only a few teams right now that I can say that about. But uh, there's no doubt this would be a super regional quality of club uh, if all those pieces come together. Kendall, it's Brian Haydad. Looking at Mississippi State, we were just talking about their rotation as well. Obviously, Ethan Small sort of locked into that Friday night spot. And then Keegan James, the freshman, JT Ginn, they're going to have their opportunities. With Ginn, do you see him as a potential Saturday starter for MSU this year? I do. I mean, I was talking to those guys in the fall. They, they said they've never seen a pitcher. And these are guys who have been around a lot of good pitchers in their career. And they said they've never, they've never seen a pitcher uh, that is that ready uh, for the big show like uh, JT Ginn is. You know, he's a guy that's going to be, you know, low to mid-90s with his fastball. He's got a plus slider. Uh, you know, he's got a third pitch. 
Uh, he's got a hard-nosed attitude. And so uh, I think he's a, a great uh, talent. I think he's a great guy to have in a rotation. I think he will stick there. And you know, I, I, I like State a lot. I think Ethan Small is one of those guys. I think when you look back at his outing in Omaha last year, he pitched really well there. And I think that kind of uh, gives us a sign of things to come. I think Ethan Small is underrated. I think when you look at his size, uh, his ability to command the fastball, his curveball, a really nice pitch. Uh, and then, you know, when you look at Ginn and then you know, Keegan James on the back, and Keegan James throws the way he did uh, over the summer, uh, Mississippi State could have a really good rotation. So I think even though State is in the teams in our rankings right now, again, I think a lot like Ole Miss, uh, I think State could be one of those teams that can very easily, they can end, not only end up in Omaha, but they can end up going pretty far in Omaha. Kendall Rogers on your radio from D1Baseball.com. You know, outside of Arkansas, for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that there's another team in the country that, that carried more disappointment into the offseason than Ole Miss last year. L- losing in that regional, you know, things really setting up nicely to, you know, to host a super regional and potentially get to Omaha. One, do you agree with that idea that they're just going to be thrilled to get back on the field and not have to answer questions about disappointment from last year? And then is this an is this a legitimate Omaha caliber team in Oxford? Well, I look at it two different ways. I think there's no doubt the team we're ready to play. I, I, I can't imagine they're they're not tired of hearing people kind of dog on them for what happened at Tennessee Tech last year. But I'll, I'll say this: I'll follow Tennessee Tech the next weekend against Texas. Uh, that was a really good team. And, uh, you know, I know, you know, Ole Miss fans will always say, well, you know, either way we should have won. True. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get that out of the way. I thought Tennessee Tech was really good. I think they were probably very much underrated by us and others uh, throughout the season. But, it, 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 but still, with that said, uh, there's no doubt when you leave on your home field and you control your own destiny in that regional and you still lose – uh, the way you lost. I think the way they lost was kind of the most disheartening thing for an Ole Miss fan. I mean, just the really bad plate approach in that last game. So uh, I think there's no doubt they're ready to get back on the field. And, and, and by the way, I think there's no doubt this team uh, should have, you know, national championship top of aspirations. I'm not going to sit here and predict they're going to win the national championship. Uh, but there's no doubt when you look at this roster, they've got the potential. You know, great catching you, I thought, last year. Uh, took a big step forward offensively. You know, Ryan Olenek is back. And, you know, Thomas Dillard, I think, is a really underrated guy. He's going to be a, a premier player this year. Uh, and the list kind of goes on in terms of their offense. And then, you know, you look at the, the situation on the mound, you know, this is going to be the year that, the, you know, guys like Will Etheridge take center stage. You kind of throw Gunnar Hoagland and a, and a few of those young guys on the back end. And uh, this is a really deep pitching staff from a uh, talent standpoint. So, you know, they're like every other team. Uh, there are blemishes there. Um, you know, there are, there are some, you know, I guess uncertainty with the weekend rotation, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how some of those guys do. But, again, I, I think this is a really balanced offense. Uh, I think the talent is there from the pitching standpoint. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just kind of finding the roles there from a, uh, from a pitching perspective. If they can do that, uh, I, I like to see the chances a lot. Kendall, I, I feel right now, as we sit here a week from opening pitch, like they're going to be eight really good baseball teams that play on Tuesday in Hoover this year. Do you, you think I'm crazy for saying that? 
No, I, I tell you what, man. I, you know, I look at the SEC right now, and I always feel like this league can get better. But guess what? It's better this year. Uh, you know, you look at the SEC overall, and I kind of realized this looking through our prospect rankings. And you know, Tennessee, for instance, is probably the worst team in the league, other than Missouri or Alabama. Like, so I think Missouri is going to struggle a little bit, even with Cam Eisner. But you think about Tennessee being the worst team in the league outside of those two clubs. Probably Tennessee has a guy that's going to be a first-round pick next year in the rotation in Garrett Crochet. They've got a Friday guy in Zach Lingenfelter who's going to be a top three or four-round pick this year. You know, he needs to fine-tune his command. He's got big-time stuff. You know, Will, Will Neely's a, a power arm that's a, that's a veteran. Uh, you know, you look at their offense, they, you know, Andre Lipsius, guys like that are going to be day-one draft picks. This is a team with a lot of talent. And, you know, they're their 12th best team in the SEC right now. So they kind of give you an idea of how good this league's going to be. I had a feeling this is going to be one of the leagues or one of the years in the SEC to where I think if you, if you guys remember, uh, I think it was maybe four or five years ago, Arkansas going into the final weekend was like, an, was like a game and a half out of first place. And I think they were eighth in the conference. And so, uh, you know, that it could be one of those situations this year where that league is that good because – you know, we've got Arkansas, you know, behind Ole Miss and, and LSU and Mississippi State. And Arkansas is, uh, you know, Patrick Wicklander or Kevin Cobb being dominant on the weekend rotation away from being the same team they were last year. Kendall, I don't know that there are many radio shows that have already been talking about college baseball for six weeks. We have. I promise you we're <laughs> ready for it, and I know you are too. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing the new ballpark uh, there in Starkville. Obviously, that is going to be the, the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And I know I know that's had a ripple effect. You know, Ole Miss is doing a lot of renovations to its ballpark. You look around the SEC, A&M uh, is about to pump uh, $12, $13 million more into its ballpark. And so uh, it's really, really a golden age for college baseball right now. And I'm, I'm excited to see some of these new parks. And certainly the new yard there in uh, Mississippi State. That, uh, I'm actually – Honestly, looking forward to seeing one of those condos. I don't know how they're going to sell all those things out, but uh, I want to see what they're all about. You should buy two of them. If they've got two left, you should buy two with all that D1 baseball money. I don't go to Starkville enough outside of the spring, buddy. Hey, I'll stay there. (laughs) Okay. There you go. Yeah, hey, hey Dad will volunteer. Kendall, thanks a lot, man. Look forward to talking to you throughout the season. You'll go stay in Starkville for me. No, that was Hey Dad that said that, not me. (laughs) <laughs> I was about to say, your wife might have something to say about that, big guy. <laughs> be Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. We'll talk to you soon. More coming up with you. Good stuff there with Kendall Rogers in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. After 5 o'clock with you on this Friday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the weekend. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and you. Hope you've had a good week and are set to enjoy a good weekend as well. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. If you're a farmer in need of land financing, well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. So if you're buying a new piece of property to add to the size of the farm or you've got equipment needs, maybe it's time to... Buy a new tractor or a couple of new tractors. Maybe you need to refinance an existing loan or get your crop loans lined up for the new farming season. Well, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've got branch locations spread across north Mississippi from Cleveland and Senatobia all the way to the eastern part of the state, Corinth, down to Starkville as well. 
Mississippi Land Bank can help you with whatever it is that you need as it relates to land financing. At Mississippi Land Bank, they know the lay of the land. Right now, it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. they got good stuff going at Ford. You can start your search for a new car, truck, van, or SUV online at buyfordnow.com. There you can see all that they've got to offer. You can build one out to your specs. But don't stop there. Go visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive a vehicle today, whether it's the Explorer, the F-150, or maybe it's the Ford Fusion. Whatever it is that you're looking for, your local Mississippi Ford dealers have got it. We talked about this earlier today and want to kind of circle back at least for a couple of minutes on the transfer market. Justin Fields, who left Georgia uh, following uh, this past season, has been ruled immediately eligible at Ohio State. Question number one from me, and uh, we'll just kind of throw this out out there and let you guys do with it what you wish. How about the uh, the NCAA moving with some expediency? I mean, this this is one of those things where you kind of semi expected it to drag out through spring practice and kind of leave this question hanging over Ohio State's program: Will or won't Justin Fields be eligible? Any guesses from from any of you three as to why? Uh, the NCAA moved with a little better pace on this one. It certainly has nothing to do with it being Ohio State. That that, that can't the- be. The Ohio State University. I think that they knew. I think that they knew this was going to, if they didn't start moving quickly. I mean, spring football's coming up. You know, I, I don't know what it is at Ohio State. We're under 30 days here in Starkville. They want, they want that guy on the practice field. So, you know, when you're, when you're the right school and you know the right people, you can make things happen. Yeah, yes. but they didn't. They didn't move at this level of speed with Shea Patterson or with Van Jefferson last year. Those transfers from uh, from Ole Miss was that just because they didn't have the the groundwork in place to be able to move quickly? Tom Mars has probably developed a little system. He knows the language to use. He knows the buttons to press. I mean, I was thinking of another S word. <laughs> but seriously, it. it the guys kind of carved out a a bit of a niche, and I think that any time a player wants to transfer, he's the guy that they call, or his strategy is the one that they use, and it's clearly going to work for anybody. All that needs to be done now is a reason, and it could be a ridiculous reason. It could be a reason that doesn't make any sense. It could be a reason that's almost virtually made up. Don't forget, they've they've already used and successfully used the misled angle. Now they've used... One baseball player used a racial slur angle to get eligible. They were going to use NCAA violations, or the coach made me uncomfortable because they were committing NCAA violations to get a kid eligible to Arizona before a video of him using a racial slur got out. But they are going to create anything. That was the kid leaving Texas A&M. That was the kid leaving Texas A&M to go to Arizona. And that was going to work, by the way, until that video came out and Tom Mars dropped him as a client and he uh, did not go to Arizona anymore. But the point is, they've used misled, they've used NCAA, they've used race, and they have precedent and examples and documentation and a strategy to use any of those. So all you need is a reason. It could be a very small reason. It could be an assistant coach leaving. 
now moving forward, I think anybody that wants to transfer is going to be able to apply for transfer and get it if they have any kind of reason whatsoever, and they'll make one up if they have to. You've heard me say this for a couple of months now, and I'm just not backing off of it. Justin Fields, pardon the double negative, was never not going to be eligible at Ohio State. It was too easy to look at. Now, to me, using this this isolated uh, – hold on, let me back up. I have no problem, no problem whatsoever with Justin Fields being ruled immediately eligible to play quarterback at Ohio State after transferring from Georgia. I do have a problem with using an isolated racial incident that posed no uh, posed no actual threat to Justin Fields as being the reason that he's able to leave and not have to sit out for a year. And as I've said in the past, it, it it's an isolated racial incident. It happened in the stands. There was no threat to... Uh, Justin Fields, and it doesn't make Georgia an inherently racist university in the same way that Ole Miss is not inherently racist because of an isolated incident. Mississippi State doesn't fall into that category. LSU is not an inherently racist place because you've got purple and gold Confederate flags flying on tailgate sites. Racism exists everywhere. It exists in spades at the school at which Justin Fields just became immediately eligible, the Ohio State University. So I hate the idea of let's use a single racially charged incident as grounds for saying, well, he didn't feel comfortable, he didn't feel safe. If he didn't feel safe, if he didn't feel comfortable, he would have left immediately. He didn't do that. He played the rest of the season and in the SEC championship game before leaving. And if he'd have taken the starting job over from Jake Fromm, he would still be at Georgia for the 2019 season. That that's exact he's transferring because he wanted to play somewhere and Ohio State provides a great opportunity for him to do so. This is just the means in which they have to do it. And the NCAA yeah. wrote the rule and set this up in order for basically chaos. Because in order to get immediately eligible, and it's going to be very easy moving forward, you have to bring down, in one way or the other, your current school. You have to bring them down for misleading you. You have to bring them down for NCAA violations. You have to bring them down for race. Something's got to go wrong. But if you want to get eligible and you have obtain an attorney, they're good at their jobs and they're going to find a way. And so what if your school's collateral damage? You're leaving anyway. Well, and as I've said, the, the the Justin Fields thing, which was inevitable, was the first domino. The next domino, though, is Tate Martell, who is leaving Ohio State. He says it's not because Justin Fields is coming in. We all know it's because Justin Fields is coming in. He was a hotshot quarterback that you know committed to three different schools and thought he was the best thing that was out there. And he realized that Justin Fields was going to come in and beat him out, and so he's transferring. He's going to Miami, where guess what? They need a hotshot quarterback. And, and so Miami's getting what they want. The question is, is Tate Martell going to be ruled immediately eligible? What, what criteria is he going to use to say, 
my circumstances were adversely affected. Well, having a head coach involved in a domestic violence cover-up and being suspended for part of the season and then stepping away for health reasons, I mean, that should qualify, right? If the other things have, absolutely. So, if Tate Martell is ruled immediately eligible, then I think you have now opened the floodgates to say, just come up with some kind of a reason and we'll let you go. Pretty much any reason will do as long as the paperwork is filed properly and the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So I think it opens up for that. And I think the other side of the coin is if Tate Martell is not ruled immediately eligible, then the NCAA can expect a lawsuit. And frankly, they should. If, if you are wanting to transfer and play immediately and the NCAA arbitrarily says, no, your reasons aren't good enough to want to transfer, then I think you have an extremely valid case in suing the NCAA and getting an injunction to be able to play immediately. Do you guys disagree with, with kind of my thought process on that? Hey, Dad, does that make sense? No, it makes a ton of sense. It's probably going to be what happens. I think you nailed it. we got more coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Some basketball to get to. Big day tomorrow for Mississippi State as they host Kentucky. Ole Miss trying to get a win on the road against Georgia in an early game tomorrow. We'll dive in and take a look at uh, the stakes in basketball when we come back in the Renaissance Bank studio. The JT Show will be live at Trigger Time Indoor Shooting Range next Friday in Tupelo. Everybody will be there to celebrate Glock Vendor Day. Purchase any firearm from Trigger Time Indoor Shooting Range in the month of February and receive a free three-month membership to their eight-lane gun range. That's the JT Show live in Tupelo at Trigger Time for Glock Vendor Day next Friday. So that'll be yeah, that'll be cool. I, I wonder if JT will trade us some of those shooting range remotes. Like we'll give him a few of our days off or something in exchange for us to go to a shooting range for an afternoon. Oh, Probably not, because last time we did a remote where a shooting range was involved, I missed like half of a segment. Rippy. So <laughs> where was that? Anyway, they're at a shooting uh, range. I don't. I think it was Hunter's Hollow, right? That's exactly where it was. Uh, He was on a remote, Rippy, and I'm sitting here in the studio because I I didn't go to this remote. I had to run the board, and the segment begins, and Richard's just not there. And I'm in the queue going, Richard, Richard, you there? Richard, you there? And Houston is standing by, and I guess he hears me coming through and says, Porky, he's still in the gun range, and I'm knocking on the, the door and they can't hear me because they've got you know they've got goggles on and headphones on and, and they can't hear me. Two minutes go by in the segment before he realizes he was shooting guns through the commercial break. <laughs> you get too well, enamored with and, the and, target. No, I was shooting a machine gun, and the door was about an eight-inch thick steel door. <laughs> yeah, so they're knocking on so the door. Apparently, Houston was like banging on the window, and they're like, like we could hear that. I just happened to glance at my watch. I was like, oh, shoot. No pun intended. <laughs> kind of uh, jumped and ran back for it. So, uh, yeah, cool experience, though. Hey, Richard, hey, I, hate I missed that. Interesting, uh, an interesting text. We were talking about Justin Fields just a minute ago and leaving yeah. Georgia and the reasons behind that. 
uh, evidently, you know, if, if he's going to claim it was, it was an unsafe environment there, right? Uh, his sister is still on the softball team at Georgia, though. Yeah. That is a true statement. Because it's not unsafe there. I like the, I, I like to picture you hands over the microphone trying to whisper. like <laughs> It's going to be okay. I got a secret to tell you. Hey, guys, I'm in Athens right now. Feels pretty safe. <laughs> it's one Just of the better college towns in America, if we're being the honest. Best. It's a yeah. great place. The best. It is. It's a, uh, it's a great spot. Um, all right, so some hoops tomorrow. Some of that hoops is happening right here in Athens, where Ole Miss will meet Georgia. And it's an important game for, for Ole Miss. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, I guess it's an important game for Georgia too. But if you're talking about if you're talking about who it means more for, or who does it matter more for, there is no question that this game means more and matters more to Ole Miss. So, Rippy, the the latest bracketology from Joe Lenardi's out. It's got Ole Miss in the tournament. Um, I mean, that, that's obviously do some doing some predicting for the the way the rest of the season goes. You really can't underscore enough the importance of Ole Miss getting a win on the road tomorrow. Yeah, they need it badly, particularly with what they have coming up and what they just endured with, you know, they went two weeks without winning a game, um, you know, three conference losses in there. You you know, having a 2-0 and week would kind of make up some ground. You got to go to Auburn next Wednesday before you kind of get not really a break, but you get Missouri at home and then go to South Carolina and Georgia at home over the next three games before a pretty, pretty daunting home stretch. So yeah, I mean it's a game they really need to win. I mean you're you're talking about a win. You're six and four with what that'd be eight games left. Feeling pretty good about yourself, but then again five and five still having to play Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Um, down the road, that's plus Auburn on the road. Yeah, plus Auburn on the road. That that's tough. So you know, this week is kind of was looking at this week before Ole Miss winning that game. They didn't seem kind of like a swing week in their season because if they had lost Tuesday night, they'd have been four and five with the road game at Georgia, and that would have been a really kind of slippery situation. So yeah, I mean, a, a two and zero week would go a long way in helping their helping nail down their NCAA tournament case. You know, when when you look at the remaining games for Ole Miss, you you can kind of win loss win loss them if you if you want to. Just based on Ken Palm's predictions, Ole Miss should win tomorrow. They're predicted to lose at Auburn, so a win tomorrow gets you to six and four, and then that would be six and five. You beat Missouri, that's seven. South Carolina is a game that Ole Miss is actually predicted to win on the road. That would be eight. Georgia at home would be nine. A loss to Tennessee. You, uh, you know, Arkansas plays better at home. Ole Miss had no trouble with Arkansas the first time around. That feels like kind of a toss-up game. I'd put South Carolina into a toss-up category. The- Arkansas into a toss-up category. And then you got to beat Missouri on the road on the final day because you've also got Kentucky in the final week on senior night at home. Yeah, I mean, really the three games that are going to really define things for them through the rest of the season is tomorrow and then the game in both Columbia's at South Carolina and at Missouri. Because those are the road games you think you should win, but you know, far from a certainty. So those seem like the three games that are really going to determine where they're 
where they're sitting at and what their vantage point is going into Nashville. Ole Miss and Georgia play at uh, noon central time tomorrow on the SEC Network. Mississippi State's game tomorrow against Kentucky. What time's tip-off for that? Hey, Dan, I'm supposed to know that. Noon. Noon tip-off. CBS Sports. Ah, it's a CBS game tomorrow. Gotcha. So Mississippi State and Kentucky. I I think I just might pull that one up on my phone and kind of watch it as the, uh, the game that I'm doing is going on as well. Um what do you say about this game, hey Dad? I mean, on paper, Kentucky is is favored, but they're not an overwhelming favorite in the uh, in the game. If you look at Mississippi State uh, again, going with Ken Palm gives Mississippi State a forty one percent chance to to win the game, but the score prediction is seventy two to seventy. Yeah, and you know you saw Mississippi State play with LSU uh, lose that game in overtime. By the way, since I missed it yesterday. How does the ball do what it did? (laughs) If you want a physics-defying example for why physics doesn't always make sense, you got two examples. You remember Ole Miss at Texas A&M a year ago? Ball spun all the way around the cylinder like twice and then kicked out on what would have been a game-winning shot for Ole Miss. They lost at A&M. And then that one the other night where Nas Reed clanks it off the front iron. Somehow the ball kicks straight up in the air and then bounces down through to put LSU up four, and that turned out to be the final margin. How does that happen? The ball hung in the air long enough for me to have two conversations with with myself. The first one was, okay, State's going to have a chance to get the rebound and and win the game, and it turned into, that's going to go in. I could The arc of it, I could tell from my seat, was like, that's going to go in somehow, and it did. And as for that, you know, I can run over to Hilburn Hall and try to get a physicist for us on the show because it's I okay. have no idea, Thanks. no no clue how that happened. Hey, was it Derek Zimmerman who had the the length of the floor drive against Ole Miss in yeah. Oxford like twelve years ago to win it at sure the buzzer? Did. Yep. I, I thought that's what Quindary Weatherspoon was about to do at the end of regulation. That was Lamar. Oh, was it Lamar Peters? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was what, what, wasn't a terrible shot either. Wasn't a terrible shot. Uh, just 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 couldn't get it to go. Just didn't have enough oomph on it. Yeah. Well, he got he got in. So what does Lamar Peters need to do tomorrow? Because I'm not settling for threes right now is not working the way it did early in the season. Well, I mean, is he healthy? Is the first question. You know, he, told us after the Ole Miss game he's been battling a wrist sprain, and that's obviously affected his shooting. He's, he's shot the ball very poorly uh, these past two games. So if he's he's got to be healthy. If he's not, and he, he can't shoot, you know, from you know take take three point shots, take jumpers. Well, obviously he's got to be. You know, I hate to say Lamar Peters be more aggressive, but he might have to be that way to try to get to the rim, and then he's going to have to find more opportunities for his teammates. You know, he had six assists, I think, on uh, on Wednesday night. He, he might need to be closer to ten for MSU to have a chance to win this one. What What's the formula for Mississippi State to beat Kentucky tomorrow? I think State has to get off to a really fast start. You know that's been sort of an issue for State this year is they've gotten off to slow starts. They've had some games where they were able to come back. They did it against Auburn. They did it against Ole Miss. They had some games where they weren't able to come back. They did it against that's what they did against Alabama. That's what they did against uh, Kentucky. So tomorrow they need to come out firing and, and get the crowd into the game. Use your home court advantage. 
And if they can do that, they'll have a chance to to, to, to get the game and get the win. Packed house, right? Sold out tomorrow? Sold out, yep. Is it going to be full like it was for Auburn? Was that Gotta last week? With, with Big Blue Nation coming, too. They'll bring some fans. I, I bet it'll be a big crowd. Yeah, and the uh, the guy from Kentucky Sports Radio made more friends today, didn't he? Oh, God, that guy. Didn't you get in a fight with him on Twitter a couple of years ago? Oh, I got I got a little bit of a scrap with him, and he wrote he wrote that basically that same article. And uh, the final score that day was MSU forty five, Kentucky seven. So we'll see how it pans out. Forty five to seven would be a surprising outcome tomorrow. Well, a different sport. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I'm I'm quite aware. Thank you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.